promoting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk shares theories on Earth's moon's formation. Hay grower Leroy Canfield shares his passion for Massey Ferguson tractors and why he farms at the Diamond Seahorse Ranch in Damascus, Pennsylvania. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. The AAA says the national average for a gallon of unleaded regular gasoline now tops $5 a gallon for the first time ever. NPR's Dave Mistich has more. State-by-state average gas prices vary widely, with Californians paying $6.43 a gallon, to Florida averaging the lowest gallon of gas at $4.88. And while the $5 nationwide average is a new record, inflation does skew things a bit. In July 2008, the high was 4.11 a gallon, which would come out to about 5.40 today. Still yet, some state governments, including Maryland, Connecticut, and Georgia, have tried to stave off the impact of rising prices at the pump by implementing gas tax holidays. Earlier this month, New York Governor Kathy Hochul suspended the state's gas tax, saving drivers there, she says, at least 16 cents a gallon. Dave Mistich, NPR News. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says China is being more coercive and aggressive in its approach to territorial claims, and the U.S. will stand by its friends in the region, including Taiwan. NPR's John Ruich reports a Chinese general is calling the remarks confrontational. Austin told an annual defense forum in Singapore that China is pushing limits in the East China Sea and South China Sea. It's also hardening its position along its border with India. Austin said countries in the region should not face political intimidation, economic coercion, or harassment by maritime militias. Later, Reuters cited a senior Chinese general as saying Austin's speech contained unfounded accusations. China, he said, expressed strong dissatisfaction and opposition to the accusations. And he accused the United States of trying to form a, quote, small circle in the Asia-Pacific region by roping in some countries to incite against some other countries. John Ruich, NPR News, Shenzhen, China. A federal judge in Texas has blocked a Biden administration policy that limits those whom immigration authorities can arrest and deport. NPR's Joel Rose reports on the setback for the president's immigration agenda. Federal Judge Drew Tipton sided with the states of Texas and Louisiana, which argued that the Biden administration's enforcement priorities are preventing ICE agents from enforcing the law. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said that being in the country without authorization should not alone be the basis for arrest and removal and directed immigration authorities to prioritize serious threats to public safety and recent border crossers. This ruling adds to a growing list of President Biden's immigration policies that have been blocked by federal judges appointed by former President Trump. Judge Tipton gave the administration seven days to appeal before his ruling takes effect. 
Joel Rose, NPR News. In Washington, D.C. and across the nation, gun control supporters are rallying today for new laws they hope will stem the surge of gun violence. The second March for Our Lives rally is expected to draw several thousand to the Washington Monument. This is NPR News in Washington. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections. With showrooms at Lake Wallenpapik, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show... Hay grower Leroy Canfield shares his passion for Massey Ferguson tractors and why he farms at the Diamond Seahorse Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania. But first, here is Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. Some questions are understandably difficult to answer, such as what is at the center of a black hole? Other questions seem straightforward, but turn out to be rather difficult to answer. The question of how our moon was formed falls into the latter category. There are three theories as to how the moon formed, the capture theory, the co-formation theory, and the giant impact theory. The capture theory posits that the moon was formed elsewhere in the solar system and Earth grabbed it as it was passing by, much like how Mars captured its moons Phobos and Deimos. This would explain the variation in composition between the moon and Earth, but these bodies are often oddly shaped and don't line up with the planet's ecliptic. The co-formation theory states that the moon formed from the same material and at the same time as Earth. This would explain the similarities in composition and the moon's present location. However, it does not explain the difference in density between the moon and Earth. The leading theory is the giant impact theory. The theory is that a Mars-sized object collided with Earth, ejecting bits of Earth's crust into space. Gravity bound these bits together and created the moon. This would explain the similarities in composition and the difference in density. Most models of this event suggest that the compositions of the Moon and Earth should be more different than what they are. With no way of traveling back in time to witness the event firsthand, the best scientists can do is gather evidence to create theories of how the Moon was formed. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For WJFF Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr in Damascus, Pennsylvania at the Canfield Farm. And I'm here with Leroy right next to one of his... Is this a Massey Ferguson, yes, too? Yes, it is, yes. <laughs> He's very proud. It's not, it's not a Massey Ferguson. No, <laughs> you taught me. You taught me Massey Ferguson. Yeah, it's a Massey Ferguson. 
Leroy, tell us a little bit about your background and what inspired you to this life that you have right here on this farm. Well, basically this life that we have here on the farm is just a continuation of what I had when I was born. We had a farm up toward Galilee, and we had 446 acres. And so it was a farm. We had a dairy farm. I had one older brother and an older sister who's deceased, and another older sister. I was born into farming. I was born into driving tractor. It was one of the it was one of the nice responsibilities that I had when I was on the farm, graduating from pitching hay and, and all this good stuff. Man, I'm I'm an operator now, you know. And I wasn't that old. So I graduated to that and I caught on real quick and I thought, well, this is a good deal. Then along came power steering. Well, once you got power steering, you didn't even know you were working, you know? Hydraulic and all this good stuff. And I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. I do not enjoy laying underneath a machine trying to figure out why the machine doesn't do what the machine is supposed to be doing. Because it's only Jen and myself running this place. We don't have any kids. And uh, I try my darndest to try and figure out why the machine doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And um, some people say I'm a pessimist, and to a degree I probably am. But it seems to always break down when the hay is down and it looks like rain. So you do the best you can, you know. So So. you grow the hay that Mm -hmm. feeds Jennifer's horses. Yeah, yeah. If I had married someone else, which I had no intention of doing... I wouldn't be driving tractor, I wouldn't have horses, I wouldn't be building fence, and uh, all that stuff. But uh, she's a sweetheart. So love the inspiration of your childhood, and love now Hmm. keeps you inspired to do what you're doing. Yeah, basically it does, yeah, sure. It's repetition work. There's no difference between one year and the other, as far as the equipment is concerned, you cut the hay, you ted the hay, you rake the hay, you bale the hay, and you bring it in. It's not something that you have to learn year after year because once you do it, you know, got a pretty good idea what's coming next year, you know. So the big thing is just keeping the engine or the tractors running because the one I just got done painting is a 1966. This is a 1975 when I pulled up today, you were busy working on this 1975 mm-hmm. Massey Ferguson tractor. Tell us what you were doing. As you can see, there's no sheet metal on it. And I've got the sheet metal in my shop. And I've sand everything down and redo it. It's all primed now. And uh, when I get time shortly, I'm going to paint it. There's two reasons to do it. One, you just want something that looks halfway decent, and you can sit there in the mind, smiling, and you go around and do a good job. And the other is when you're doing all this stuff, you can find loose bolts, cotter pins that aren't there that's supposed to be there, and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's, it's a maintenance type of a thing both ways, to make it look good and to catch something before your tractor breaks in half. Well, let's walk around to the back of this tractor, because... You have a bucket here that you've been working with with soapy water. What were yeah. you doing with that? Just I was just taking off all the grease and grime. This stuff here was just caked with with grease and grime and all that. Once I have it so that it's not attached to 
detractor quite as good as it was, I will take something and try and pressure wash it, and it'll come off a little bit easier. Now, that's what I did on the one up there, and I painted it, and it looks decent. You know, I hate to paint over grease and grime, so that's what I'm doing. That older Massey Ferguson, that's quite a color red. What color red is that? Would you believe Massey Ferguson? <laughs> that's the color? That's the color. Massey Ferguson. And the rest of it, it's painted two colors. The red, naturally, is Massey Ferguson red. And the other off color is a silver mist. And there is some chrome on it. Now, you mentioned, I couldn't believe it, but maybe if you say it on the microphone, you're actually going to take your tractor to <laughs> where? <laughs> In the wee hours of the morning, hopefully Sunday, I take it to the car wash over in Calicoon. And there's nobody there to say, what are you doing here? This is a car wash. And uh, that's why I'm doing this, to loosen up all the grease and grime and dirt and everything else. So when I take it to the car wash, it is at least warm, and it's high pressure. And with any amount of luck, it'll take care of, you know, all the stuff that you see down here. It'll blast that out of there. And that way I got tractor to paint instead of mud and oil, stuff like that. So that's what I'm planning on doing. Well, that kind of challenge seems very manageable. But tell us, what are you facing right now as a farmer? What are your extreme challenges? Diesel oil. Diesel oil costs a lot. You know, like I was saying before, that it was $6.69 a gallon. So, you know, if you buy a 200-gallon of uh, diesel oil, you know, at $5 a gallon, that's what, $1,000 or close to it, right? So... Do you have to raise the price of hay when you're faced with a, a cost like this? <laughs> Not the hay I put in last year. I've had a few people come and, you know, they, they say, well, if you have any hay, you know, we, we would buy it. And I told them, I said, look, I'd be ashamed to sell you hay because it's, it's terrible. When you cut hay and you're fortunate enough to get it in before it rains, that's wonderful. You got good hay. But if it rains on that hay, you've already lost 10 or 50% of what they call the TDN, the total digestible nutrients. So now you got to take and you got to span out all this hay again. You got to tend it all up, rake it up again, and then you can hopefully bale it. But you're getting half of what you initially was. So you got to go through double the work for half the product. And, you know, it puts a sour taste in your mouth, naturally. And last year, it seemed to rain every other day. And a lot of the farmers that I talked to say, oh my God, I'm putting in the next best thing to mulch, you know. And that's what I did, you know. So... That's kind of that. Hoping for a better year. Yeah, we have a beautiful sunny day today, and I'd like to think that you'll be blessed with a summer of blue sky and dry temperatures for days in a row. And get it all done in three weeks, then go play golf. <laughs> Do you play golf? I, I play at it. I can hit the ball. I don't know where it's going, but I can hit the ball. No, I have a good time. I have a good time playing golf. 
That's what's important is having a good time. I don't take it serious, you know? Yeah, there you go. If I took it serious, I'd be going nuts. Yeah. I, sometimes I, I watch some of them on TV and say, oh, they do that time and time and time again, you know? And, do you ever think of replacing your tractors? Are there such thing as battery-operated solar tractors? I don't know. I never gave it a thought to replace any of my tractors because these tractors run decently. And to replace these tractors is going to cost you goo gobs of money. And I've heard from some of the other people that they have tacked on so much electronic stuff that you can't work on, and that too will fail you right when you don't want it to fail you. I'm contented with what I got right here. I mean, they, they run good enough for me, and uh, can't ask for much more than that. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like to add to our conversation about challenges or what, what inspires you to keep doing what you do? The big reason that I keep doing what I do is my wife. And I don't consider that a hardship. I don't consider it a chore. It's not that big a deal because I have to do what I've been doing all my life anyway, so what's the big deal? That would be the reason. I enjoy driving tractor and being around tractors, working on tractors, stuff like that. But I don't enjoy fixing a haybine and fixing a baler and laying underneath there and figuring out, well, you know, do they ain't doing this and they ain't doing that. I don't know why and all that stuff. She's, she's in love with horses. She's had horses ever since, oh, I don't know, a long time ago, long before she met me. I don't mind. She enjoys it and she appreciates it. And um, I know she appreciates what I do for her. And uh, she appreciates what she does for me, you know. I mean, works both ways. So, you know, it all works out. All, all our biggest complaint is the weather. And the cost, to a degree. If you take what it costs me to put in all my hay that I need, it's still a lot cheaper than buying it. So, you know, what have I got to complain about? I try to keep these things running. They're old. Ain't no doubt about that. I don't want a new tractor. And look at the environment that you're in over here. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this farm. Can you give us an idea what the history of this place is? Jen can give you a better idea what the history is. Now, I can help you out ever since I got here, but they owned this place even before we, we started dating. I don't know if I ever told you that. It was in Bills, a variety in town. It was a soda joint, you know. And at that time, I was a truck driver. I came in hot, sweaty, whatnot, sit down. And then we kind of got rudely introduced to each other. What was she reading? A horse book, a horse magazine. So I knew that about her to begin with. So I looked at her a little bit and I says, Oh, you're the horse nut. She looked at me and said, Well, you're a fresh snot. <laughs> we were off and running. <laughs> the horse nut and the fresh snot. There we go. We're in business. So, you know, eventually we got married in what, 75? They say we're the last people that got married in the seminary. In 1975. But this place, I made that thing. Little cupola. Yeah, I made that. And, uh. Was this, it was always a farm? Chicken farm, I believe. This barn was a chicken barn. And it was like three stories tall. 
and there was three layers in there with all, with all the chicken equipment and chickens and all that stuff. And the barn leaked like a sieve. So when we got it, they said, we got to do something with the barn. Well, her mother wanted to tear it down. Well, Jen didn't want to hear about that. So I said, look, I'll fix that. I'll, I'll do this. So I tore off the top two stories and left that one up there where the shutters are. And then I had put up new rafters and aluminum on top. So that that's how we got our barn. That's your aluminum roof. Yeah. And behind that lovely shuttered window is where the hay lives. Yep. Yep. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. And I know you'll get your <laughs> your Massey Ferguson tractors in beautiful shape. So, you know, my grandfather, who I really didn't know very long, do uh, you know where the old Kashekna store is? Yeah. Okay. We're right directly across from it, this nice three-story house. And that was my grandfather's house. That was Clarence Canfield's house. And right next to it, it's gone now, was he had a Massey Harris dealership. And what happened is that Massey Harris didn't have a very good hydraulic system. But Ford Ferguson did. So Ford Ferguson said, yeah, okay, we'll sell you our our hydraulic system. And that's where the Massey early ones were, Massey Harris Ferguson. And they finally said, well, wait a minute, we're not writing a book here. They just did away with Harris. So everything became not Massey Harris Ferguson. It just became Massey Ferguson. That's where it all came from. Well, I have a question, a hay question for you. You bale your hay square bales, Mm -hmm. which are really rectangular shape. But why don't you do the round bales? Because the cost of buying a round baler is so outrageously expensive that if I was faced with that situation, I might just, just go buy hay. I would have so much money tied up in a round baler. That it, it just wouldn't be worth my while. The machine is actually different. Oh a square baler. You could wrap up thirty, forty thousand dollars in something like that. You know, tractors today, some of them are on the market for two and a quarter. It's wild, mm. you know. And um, the other thing you taught me is the word tethering. I thought it was T E T H tethering, and it's T E E D. Yeah, it's tethering. Yeah. That's just fluffing up the haze all it does. Do you know what a swath is? Yes, it's when you pass by the hay the first time. Outstanding. You cut a swath with a cutter bar or a hay bind, and that's when you get past it, and you got a big old thing that lays on the ground. That's a swath. And then when you come along with your rake, what do you get? It's before it's baled. It's just laying yeah. on the ground. Yeah. A rake will give you a windrow. A windrow, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a great vocabulary, hanging. Yeah, it is. I mean, well, a lot of farmers today, they have these electronic monitors, digital, 
and they can stick the probe into the hay and oh, it's so much percentage of water and all this good stuff. I'm not one of them. You reach down and you grab a hold of the hay and when you put some pressure on it, if it comes back out again, go bail. And if it doesn't come back out again, just too much water into it. That's, that's the way my father did it. That's the way I do it. Sometimes I put in decent hay, but last year I wouldn't want them. No fault of hay. Well, you know a lot. It's always amazing. I get such an education. It's sweet. The knowledge that I learn when I come and talk to you over here, it's just... It doesn't matter if I'm never going to use it anywhere. It's new vocabulary. It's a new experience. And it's something that I love. It's a perennial love for me. Hey. Really? Yeah, I love the way it smells. I love oh the way God, it feels. Yeah. Sure. I'm the same way. The color of it. When I go out there and I, I cut there and, and I got maybe half the field down in swaths. And you go out there and just walk through them. You, oh, you can smell the... It's not odor. It's scent. <laughs> There's a big, big difference there, you know. It's just, I often said, gee, why don't they make perfume that has the scent of hay or the scent of freshly plowed ground? Have you ever smelled that? Yes. No, you're <laughs> the earth. Plowed ground, the earth, because it's waking up in springtime. Yeah, and you plow that up and it oh. just it has quite an aroma. Yeah. You know? I like walking into the barn also and smelling after she's sweeped the uh, the stalls. So it's a very organic mixture. Most barns don't smell adversely bad. I don't know if there's any positive or negative difference between one animal to another, but maybe hog. Hog's nasty, but it's awful good manure. I just wish I could find some hog manure or chicken manure put it out there it would grow a lot better than what it does grow what would you do like mix it right into the soil just top dress it just if I had access to a whole ton of the hog manure or chicken manure put it in the spreader and spread it I need like a tractor trailer load and that would kind of set me up for a while thank you Leroy yeah, for really? taking the time to speak with us that's alright then highlight of the day here so far. No big deal. The sky is blue. That's a real highlight. Yeah. Okay. If there's nothing else you want to say. Thanks for coming over and taking what information you wanted and you're going to do something with it, I guess. So that, that's kind of nice. Artwork and radio production. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Leroy. You are welcome. That was Hay Grower. Leroy Canfield, sharing his passion for Massey Ferguson tractors and why he farms at the Diamond Sea Horse Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania. Leroy will be participating in this year's Tractor Parade in Calicoon, Sunday, June 12th. This interview is part of the audio that you'll hear in September for the project why I Farm. Why I Farm is an audiovisual creative collaboration produced by digital artist Pat Carullo, photographer Woody Goldberg, and myself, Rosie Starr, radio producer. It is planned for viewing at the Digital Gallery in the Union, Narrowsburg, New York. 
On today's show, Farming Country features the music of Steve Jacoby. Steve is one of the singer-songwriter musicians of the Upper Delaware Collective. They will be performing at the Drive-In Music Concert, featuring four bands on a mobile, rotating stage. Save the date, Saturday, June 18th, from 6 to 9 p.m., outdoors at the Union in Narrowsburg, New York. Bring a $5 donation and your picnic dinner. Sit outside by the fire pit and enjoy the music of Poison Love, Brewster Smith, Cliff Westfall, and the Tomb Keepers. Saturday, June 18th, 6 to 9 p.m., outdoors at the Union in Narrowsburg, New York. Hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteer Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guest, hay farmer Leroy Canfield from the Diamond Seahorse Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening to Farm and Country on Radio Catskill. Public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org I'm Aaron Bendich. Join me for Borscht Beat, the Jewish music show on Radio Catskill. Each week I share rare, forgotten, and classic recordings from Jewish musical traditions across multiple generations. From Yiddish folk songs to instrumental klezmer, Yiddish theater, and contemporary